Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We get you ready for the Kings and the Celtics coming up in two hours. Uh, sad news. Willis Reed, uh, gone at the age of 80, spent time as a Sacramento Kings assistant coach when Bill Russell was the uh, head coach and Somebody that uh, I grew up uh, just, I can't even begin to tell you the impact that Willis Reed had on so many people uh, in the New York metropolitan area. One of the great moments in the history of Madison Square Garden was him running out of the tunnel. I should say limping out of the tunnel in game seven of the 1970 championship against the Lakers. And uh, I'll never forget coming to Sacramento for the first time and walking into a King's luncheon on Northgate Boulevard. And Bill Russell was there, and Willis Reed was there. And I was more excited to be in the presence of Willis than Bill uh, because of what he meant to a New Yorker and a Knicks fan uh, growing up. And then Willis could not have been nicer. I, you know, that's another thing. When you meet somebody and somebody that you really looked up to, and then they're like as nice as can be. Willis Reed was one of the, the nicest people. I'll reflect back uh, on his life tomorrow with Jerry Reynolds, because Jerry worked with him uh, in the front office of the Kings, and Jerry had a tremendous relationship with the captain, uh, Willis Ree. All right, I did a rant on this this morning, and, you know, the NBA schedule never makes sense to me, and every team can look at parts of the schedule and go, this is ridiculous. This game tonight for the Sacramento Kings is part of a ridiculous schedule. Five games in seven nights in four different time zones, Last night in Salt Lake City, tonight the Celtics, okay, fifth game in seven nights, taking on a team that's been off for a couple of days. This is a uh, this is going to be a really difficult game for the Kings to win. I mean, I'm just this is a schedule type of a game. I'll tell you, if the Kings were able to beat Boston tonight, I'll tell you this before the game even begins. If the Kings were able to beat the Celtics tonight, this to me might be the most impressive win of the year based on this schedule. It's ridiculous. You know, I talked about this. So think about this, okay? Less than a week ago, right? The Kings are in Chicago. Then the next night, Brooklyn. Two nights later, Washington, right? Last night, Utah. Tonight, Sacramento to take on a well-rested Boston team. I mean, it's ridiculous. You come home after a road trip like that, and you don't even get a day off? I mean, that's wrong. It's just flat out wrong. So I, that, that would be going into tonight's game against the Celtics. I would put that as the biggest obstacle facing the Kings. This is a schedule type of a game. And I, I really question whether the Kings – are going to be able to be competitive in this game tonight. And as I said, before this game even begins, okay, if I'm doing the post-game show with Ryan tonight and we are talking about a Sacramento Kings win, I will tell you that it's going to be the most impressive win of the year. That's how I'm going to look at this game tonight if the Kings are able to beat uh, the Boston Celtics. Celtics, by the way, are at the end of a long road trip, although they've had a couple of days off. So think about that for a minute. All right. I want to hear from you. Need a leadoff person? Hit your hand icon, and we'll put you right up. Don't forget, Ryan will have the pregame coming your way at 6.30. 
then halftime at about 8.15, post-game between 9.15 and 9.30 over on YouTube uh, if you don't like that. Don't forget to order your shirt. You can go to grantnapier.com and get your If You Don't Like shirt. All right, if you don't like that. Let's get to uh, some phone calls. Why don't we start with Connor? Connor, good to have you on the show. You're my leadoff man. How are you? Doing good, Grant. How are you? Good. Just wanted to start by saying rest in peace to Willis Reed, obviously a NBA and basketball legend in general, especially in the New York area. I'm sure he had quite an impact on you growing up. Uh, he was uh, probably the guy that most of my friends emulated on the playground. It was either Willis or Walt Frazier. And then three years later, when Earl Monroe came in, a lot of kids tried to emulate Earl. But in the 60s, we all played on the schoolyard and we all thought we were Willis Reed or Walt Frazier. Those were the two that had the biggest impact. And, you know, back in that era, Connor, the center matchups were incredible. You would have Willis Reed going up against Wes Unseldo, the Bullets. You'd have Willis going up against Wilt Chamberlain. Right. You had incredible matchups. You know, that 69-70 season when the Knicks won their first championship. Think about that. Wilt Chamberlain and Willis Reed were matched up at the center position. It was incredible. You had Walt Frazier going against Jerry West. I mean, the matchups were unbelievable. But Willis Reed, he and Walt Frazier were the Knicks. And that's no disrespect to Bill Bradley or Dave DeBusher, but Willis Reed. That's why his nickname was the captain. Willis was the Knicks. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I wanted to kind of get to the Kings yesterday. I kind of expected them to have a slow start and kind of a bad game at some point. They weren't going to win every game for the rest of the season. It just kind of sucks to see it against a team that was so shorthanded. But you got to move on. And in terms of the schedule thing, I obviously, like you, I don't like to complain or make excuses about the schedule a lot. But – I mean, this is pretty absurd. I mean, you said like four different time zones in a couple of nights. And the thing that's weird to me is the Celtics, they last played a few days ago, so they're already on rest. But then they don't play again after tonight until Friday. So I guess why couldn't they just have the game played tomorrow or the next day to give the Kings a rest day? It doesn't make any sense to me, this schedule for the Kings. And again, I don't. I, anyone that's listening to me, you know I don't normally talk that much about the schedule because all teams go through it. But this is ridiculous. I actually think the Kings are at a big disadvantage tonight. Not a little disadvantage. I think this is a big disadvantage. And I will tell you right now, I will be surprised if the Kings are competitive tonight. All right, I'm telling you that before the game even starts. If I'm doing the post-game show with Ryan tonight, talking about a Kings win, I will tell you that I will consider it the most impressive win of the year. So I'm telling you these things before the game even starts. I don't know how the Kings are going to be able to compete with the Boston Celtics tonight. And I would also say this. If the Celtics play their A game tonight, I could see the Kings getting blown out on their home floor. There's just this going to be a very hard game for the Kings to play. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be kind of like that Bucks game. But I think this game is even a bigger test and it would be a lot more impressive if they could win this game. But I mean, I'm not necessarily going to be too upset if they lose. If it's competitive like the Bucks game. I take that as another kind of mental win for the team. Yeah, I, the only difference between the Bucks game is both teams were rested. Both teams had were coming off a day off, and so that was not that was not a factor in that game. But yes, I, I understand what you're saying. If the Kings can be competitive in this game, I would chalk that up as wow. I, I just think the Kings are at a very, uh, I think they're at a not not a little disadvantage tonight. I think they're at a big disadvantage. I really do. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to get to, we kind of talked about it yesterday with me being kind of tired of Dylan Brooks. And just yesterday, he just said another thing that just makes me cringe. He said he has over $200,000 in fines in his career. And he said that doesn't matter because it's just paper. I mean, that is just embarrassing to say. He's an an insult. He's an embarrassment to the league. I'm glad you pointed that out. He's been suspended again for one game. Uh, He's an embarrassment. You know, everybody keeps on talking about Morant this and Morant that. Morant, by the way, is coming back tomorrow. But at least Morant right now is saying all the right things. I listened to his press conference and, you know, I applaud the guy. You know, he's not ducking the issue. You know, he's owning up for his mistakes. 
He's saying, hey, I've got to get better. This is an ongoing process. You know, I can accept that. I mean, he's young. Um, I don't condone the mistakes he's made. But the point is, the only thing worse than making uh, the mistakes is not owning up to it. Dylan Brooks, I never hear Dylan Brooks owning up to anything. He's just a mouthpiece, you know, mouth, 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 mouth. You know, he he's um, I, I'll tell you this. I would have a difficult time rooting for him if he played on my team. I really would. I would have, I would have a difficult time rooting for him. Yeah, I totally agree. And then there are a couple of things I wanted to touch on with the NFL. I think I've seen in the news the last couple of days that Roger Goodell is either in talks or has a new contract. I mean, what a yep. shame that is for the NFL if they're trying to turn it around their league. It's awful. But you know what? Uh, the owners hire him. The owners vote on him. And he's making the owners a ton of money. And that's the only thing they care about. So I'm with you. I think the NFL needs a new direction. I think they need a new commissioner. And I'm really disappointed when I saw that news, too. And I don't have anything against Roger Goodell. I just I don't uh, as a fan of the National Football League, I don't appreciate the way he runs this league. Yeah, and then I think I saw that Lamar Jackson got that non-exclusive franchise tag. Like, what can you explain yes. what that means in his situation? Yes. Yes. So beginning tomorrow, he is actually able to seek a deal from another team. So any team in the National Football League can agree to a deal with Lamar Jackson, and then an offer sheet is sent to the Ravens. And the Ravens will have five days to decide whether to match that offer. If they don't match that offer, they receive, in compensation, two first-round draft picks from that team. So if the Ravens lose Lamar Jackson, they will get two number ones, uh, and then Lamar will play for whatever the amount was on the offer sheet. So that basically is the non-exclusive tag. Yeah, that's interesting. And then the last thing I had was, I saw Cam Newton is going to throw at Auburn's pro day. And he I don't understand said that. that there are 30, there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than him. I mean, are we serious? Is his time in the NFL yeah, done? Do you think? I do. I think based on what we saw uh, in his last few years in the NFL. Yes. I think his time is done. So that I, I I'm not expecting a Cam Newton comeback. I'm really not. Yeah, neither am I. That's all I got today. Go Kings tonight. Yep. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to follow up, Connor, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and we'll do it. By the way, I've been asked about uh, the time of the show. I am going to do a lot of these shows now coming up at 5 o'clock for uh, the reason of kind of going right in from this, a short break, then Ryan's pregame, then halftime and postgame. And so I will be juggling the time of the shows around between four o'clock and five o'clock. So like Mondays and Wednesdays, I'll probably do four o'clock, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, probably five o'clock, unless the Kings are playing in the central time zone. Uh, then I would uh, switch up the show to not go head to head with the Kings. All right. So just wanted to let you know, we'll be juggling around uh, a little bit. Hey, don't forget pregame with Ryan, halftime, postgame, all coming your way on YouTube tonight. All right, let's hear from you. Hit your hand icon, and I'll put you right up on with me and appreciate Connor and his thoughts on Dylan Brooks particularly. Dylan Brooks is just, um, he's an embarrassment to the NBA. He really is. He's just an embarrassment. There's no other way to say it. The guy's a joke. I mean, when you start making comments like that, you're insulting your fans. That's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're basically insulting your customer that pays their hard-earned money to go to the games. All right? And I, I would think that Memphis and the culture of that city would be so turned off about Dylan Brooks that there would be a group of fans, a number of fans that would say, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to support this team anymore because of Dylan Brooks. I could actually see that happening in Memphis. Okay. I could see that happening. So it's just awful. It really is. And I, I don't, it's another reason why I don't really put any faith in Memphis, even with Morant coming back, they still don't have Steven Adams. They lost Clark for the year with an Achilles. I think that's just too much to overcome. And Dylan in his mouth and his actions. I mean, if you're, 
I'll tell you, if you're a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, that's a tough team to root for right now. I mean, it really is. How about the comments from Nick Saban yesterday about one of his players that he suspended for a off-the-field incident? I guess the individual was not only going uh, clocked to going 140 miles per hour, gone and everything else. And Nick Saban came out and said, we have suspended this individual. And in part of his press conference, he said, you know, this isn't just about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. He said, you know, it's, you, you, you can't use being at the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, as an excuse that you're responsible for your actions, blah, blah. I thought it was incredible. And it was a direct criticism at the basketball program and the head coach at Alabama, Nate Oates. That's exactly what that was from Nick Saban. Pretty interesting that he would throw the basketball coach at a very successful program, I mean, the number one team in the country, and Nick Saban did not hold back. I was like, whoa. I don't know if you caught that, but that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty amazing. It really was. And Listen, Nick Saban's going to say what he wants, and I get that, but the player on the Alabama football team that we're talking about was, again, according to the police, driving 141 miles an hour. Think about that for a minute. All right. I'll give you a, this was before he was arrested. So let me get more information on this story because I want to make sure I have this right. Tony Mitchell, all right, defensive back was clocked at going 141 miles per hour as he was attempting to flee from the police. All right. That was a week ago. He had a passenger in the vehicle. They were arrested and charged with possession of marijuana with intent to sell and or deliver. And then Lewis, the other person in the car, was charged with carrying a concealed firearm without a permit. And Saban said that he was suspended from the team and all team activities until they gather more information about the situation and what his legal circumstance is. Hmm. Again, Nick Saban did not hold back in his press conference. You ready for this? This is what he said. Everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing in being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You've got to be responsible for who you're with, who you're around, and what you do, who you associate yourself with, and the situations that you put yourself in. It is what it is, but there is cause and effect when you make choices and decisions that put you in bad decisions. That is a direct, direct comment towards Nate Oates and the Alabama basketball team. That's exactly what that is. From Brandon Miller and what happened in the death of a young mom involving a really disturbing series of events in Tuscaloosa. But I, I, I'll tell you right now, I absolutely love that by Nick Saban, you know, talking about there is no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time, your decisions and everything else. That is a direct criticism. That is attacking Nate Oates and the Alabama basketball team. It's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So much for being together in the Alabama sports department. All right, again, if you want to get in on the program, uh, hit your hand icon and we will do it. Kings and Celtics tonight, pregame, halftime, 
and post game all coming you up on YouTube. And if you don't like that, all right, again, I think this is going to be one of the hardest games of the year for the Kings. This is a schedule game. And if I come on the post game with Ryan and we're talking about a Kings win, I will be very surprised. I think they are at a huge disadvantage tonight. Five games and seven nights in four different time zones is absurd. It's ridiculous. The NBA can do better than that. It's a horrible job by the NBA in scheduling. And again, there are schedule games every year that you look at. Every single team has them where you look at a game and you go, oh boy, right? And Mike Brown's aware of that. And so what you're going to need tonight, you're going to need big time performances from players that you don't think of. Guys that don't get a lot of playing time who aren't like worn out that can step onto the floor and play well. The problem is when you look at the Celtics, who, by the way, have not played great. They're coming off a loss to the Jazz. Uh, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. So, you know, it's not like the Boston Celtics are, you know, playing their best basketball of the year. They're not. But they're a good team. They are coming off a loss. They are ending a very long road trip. And they're well-rested. That is something the Kings are not. They're going to be fatigued. I think attrition is going to be a part of the game. It's going to be very interesting to see how Mike Brown coaches this game tonight. Very interesting. First quarter could be a real problem tonight for the Kings. All right, let's get to Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. How are you? Good. How are you, buddy? Not bad. So watching the Kings game last night, I guess they just ran out of gas from coming way, you know, 25 down, you know. So, uh, I mean, they gave it a gallon effort, but uh, it just it, the the tell the telltales of the story was uh, when that they rebounded the ball three times and went up for three threes and couldn't hit one of them. Yeah, and the other big sequence was Fox hit a three to tie the game, and then uh, Olenek hit a three. Yeah. And then uh, their big man blocked Sabonis at a layup, and then the Kings had an ensuing foul. Utah made free throws, uh, and they never looked back. So that was a big sequence in the game, too. But you know what? The Kings lost the game. The Kings lost the game last night in the first quarter. That's where they lost the game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, giving up forty. Were they at forty points? Yep. First quarter, forty-one. I think. Yep. That's yep. Terrible. 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 Yep. So, anyways, I I don't know. You're not a big. I don't think you're a big fan of the World Baseball Classic, but I've got it on right now. Japan, two-one over the United States, but. Uh, Reason I'm interested again is uh, that Otani isn't he is just must see TV when he he's I mean, amazing. I mean, I can't remember since Barry Bonds that I really wanted to watch somebody hit and to really see what he can do. And you know, and I start thinking about you and your career and uh, and even before your career of all like the. Are we, you know, are we watching Hall of Famers and, you know, before they become Hall of Famers and what it must have been like for you to call like a Kobe Bryant game or uh, or a Jordan game or, you know, you're in the presence of these future Hall of Famers. And uh, how did that how did that make you feel? Well, I'll never forget the first time I did a Lakers game and. 1988, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson run out of the tunnel and are standing right behind me on the layup line. And I, I turn around, and like Kareem is like literally one foot from me. And I'm like, wow, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, like I couldn't freaking believe it. You know, like I, I, I can't even begin to tell you what that was like. And, you know, standing on the floor, getting ready to do a broadcast when the teams are in the layup lines and some of the all-time greats, you know, the Larry Birds, Michael Jordan. You know, I, one of my great thrills of announcing basketball was doing games at the old Chicago Stadium when Michael Jordan was on the Bulls. There was there was no atmosphere like that anywhere. I mean, it was incredible. And Michael Jordan was somebody that you knew was going to play. You didn't have to worry about whether he was going to play or not. And you knew that he was going to put on a show. Did not necessarily mean the Bulls were going to win or that he would score 50, but you knew that you were going to see greatness. 
And very rarely did he ever have an off night. I mean, it was incredible. I don't ever recall doing a game where Michael Jordan was on the floor and he wasn't great. I don't ever recall that. He was every time I saw him play in person, he just left you like in awe. You just couldn't believe what you had just watched. So he 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 always gave a hundred percent. Is what you're saying? Yeah, but you know the superstars normally do. Kobe never. You know, Kobe was the same way. I mean. Kobe was uh, always playing like that. He hated to lose, was always playing to win. Mm-hmm. You know, Kareem, uh, Magic always was playing like that. LeBron always played like that, still does. I mean, there's just something special about, you know, these type of athletes. I, ne- I never saw Larry Bird take a playoff. I never saw Larry have a bad game. I mean, there are just certain things about, same thing with John Stockton and Carl Malone. I don't ever recall, and I did many, 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 many games where John Stockton and Carl Malone were on the floor. I don't ever recall them not having a good game. I just don't. I, re- I they, they may not have had a great game, but I don't ever recall them not having a good game. They were always good. Most of the times they were great. And they played every game. Jerry Sloan used to tell me, I remember talking to Jerry Sloan about their work ethic and practice and because Jerry was uh, Jerry's assistant coach was Phil Johnson and Phil was the head coach of the Kings and Jerry and Phil are very, very good friends. And I got to know Phil very well. Phil's a great guy. And we would be in the media room before the game, Jerry Sloan, Phil Johnson, me and Jerry, and they would talk about Stockton and Malone in practice. And Jerry was a very, uh, Jerry, I, I just had so much respect for Jerry Sloan, but I remember him talking about how you don't have to worry about getting on any of the players because Stockton and Malone are at practice every day. They're the first ones there. They set the tone every day. They don't ever take a practice off. You know, he goes, it makes my job so much easier when our two stars are the hardest workers on the team and set the tone for everyone else. And I was just like, wow, you know? I'll tell you something else about Jerry Sloan. And I'm not going to tell you who told me this story. They were on a on the bus. And I can't remember if they were going to a game or from a game or to the airplane or whatever. But the Jazz had several international players on the team, one being Andre Karolinko, and there were one or two other guys, right? Right. And and I may have some of the names wrong, so forgive me because I'm, I'm going to give you the, the context of the story. All of a sudden, Jerry has the bus pull over to the side of the road because there was a lot of talk. Now, wait a minute. There was a lot of talk on the bus in a foreign language. And Jerry walked to the back of the bus and said, let me explain something to you right now. Okay? When you're on this bus... In my locker room, on my plane, you speak English or you don't speak at all. Because I don't want the rest of these guys to think that maybe you're saying something about them and talking behind their back. So when you're on the bus, around your teammates, you speak English. If you're not around the team, I don't give a damn what language you speak. But when you're on this bus, around my team, you speak English. Because I don't want my players having to worry whether you're talking behind their back or not. How about that? Now, can you imagine if that type of thing happened now in oh. 2023 and that got out, that coach would be fired on the spot. He would be canceled. Oh, the mob would come after him. Right. Oh. You and I both know that. Correct. Oh. oh my God. You're right. How about that story? That's mass incredible. That's just incredible. I'm telling you. Yep. Yep. So anyways, my last thing is, have you ever thought about, like somebody that when you were going to games back when you were a teenager with your dad or or even announcing earlier in your career that if if the guy would play in today's market if they be competitive if they if they would be as good as they were back when they played with their sure. generation Jim Brown comes right to mind I watched Jim Brown play at Yankee Stadium and you could put Jim Brown in any era and he would still be uh, great with a capital G. All right. So if you took Jim Brown from the 60s and all of a sudden put him onto an NFL field today, 
teams would change their entire offense around to make sure that Jim Brown had the ball all game. There's no question about that. Uh, no, no question in my mind. Johnny Unitas also, I watch Johnny Unitas play a lot. Johnny, Johnny Unitas can play in any era, uh, period. Okay, there, there's no question about that. There were many other players that I saw throughout the era uh, of, of the 60s. And I saw some of the great, great players in the history of the game. Roger Staubach in the 60s and the 70s. He could have easily played quarterback in the NFL today. There are there are many. There are many that could have. You also have yeah. to understand if Jim Brown were coming out of Syracuse today, he would have all of the modern training. Okay, so as incredible of an athlete that he was, he'd be even a better athlete today due to what we know about nutrition, what we know about weight training, strength training, you know, things of that nature. So if you took Jim Brown and put him Okay, as an 18-year-old today coming out of Syracuse, he'd be the greatest football player of all time, in my opinion. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, that, that I always wonder about, I, especially, you know, I idolized Willie Mays. And, yeah, if you put uh, Willie Mays right now, if Willie Mays was, was 25 years old right now, he'd be arguably the greatest player in the game. Right. I mean, just the hustle he had, the, yes. the, two-way, the two-way player he was, he was – just as good on defense as offense. He could steal. He can hit for average. He can hit for home run. I mean, he had it all. I got another guy. Can you imagine if Pete Rose was playing right now? Uh-huh. He would play the game differently than 99% of the players. You know, you watch baseball now. Guys don't run the first hard. They, uh, as Phil Mushnick of the New York Posts uh, always talks about, this guy stretched the double into a single because they were jogging out of the box. Instead of being on second, they're on first. Could you imagine Pete Rose playing they, today? Seriously, think about that. They would say he was showboating, or he was. That's know, correct. They call him yep. hot. Dog. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. Thanks, All right, buddy. Grant, you have a good one. Look forward to hearing you and uh, Ryan tonight. Thank you. Bye bye. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash grant. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's move along. Let's get to uh, Jerry. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Hello, Mr. Napier. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for calling. Grant, I'm a little disappointed. I'm here standing right in front of the Northwest Entry for the arena tonight, and I see a bunch of Celtic jerseys. It's making me sick, my friend. Boston, well-traveled. You're going to see a lot of Celtics fans in attendance (laughs) tonight. I mean, that's just the way it is. They have fans all over the country, and they, they support their team, and they go on the secondary market and they get their tickets and they go to the game. So that's part of that's part of it. You're going to see a lot of Celtics green in the arena tonight. Grant, what time uh, do you know what time the arena opens up for us to get in there? I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I okay. I don't remember whether it was 90 minutes or 60 minutes. I, I I know it used to be 90 minutes before the game. 
uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if they changed that or not. You can ask one of the workers there. They'll tell you. Okay. Um, I'm just waiting for... Um, I'm just waiting for my friend to get here so we can go inside because it's uh, cold out here. But all right, sir. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'm, thinking, I, I'm thinking you're going to uh, get in. If that's the case, you should be getting in any minute. Does it look like you're getting ready to open up the doors? Uh, in, 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 Grant, it looks like it, but there's nobody going in yet. But there's big old lines. Okay. All right. Well, good luck. I hope you enjoy the game. All right, Grant. Thank you, Grant. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, you can't complain about having – Celtics fans, that's just the way it is. You know, it's just the same way when the Warriors come in or the Lakers come in. They don't care how much the tickets cost. They get them on the secondary market, and it's uh, obnoxious as hell. It really is. And you're going to deal with that if the Kings play either of those teams in the playoffs. You know, don't think the Kings are going to play the Warriors in the playoffs, and you're not going to have a hell of a lot of Warrior fans in attendance. You are. Just th That is the reality uh, of the situation. All right, if you want to get in on the program, uh, hit your hand icon, raise your hand and do it. We're an hour away from Ryan on the pregame show, and then I'll be on at uh, halftime and postgame. Don't forget to order your If You Don't Like That t-shirts. Just go to my website, grantnapier.com, and order your shirt today, grantnapier.com. Uh, also, you know, we're going to rev up the merchandise a little bit too, so be looking for that in the next couple of days. All right, let's get to uh, Dorian. Dorian, good to have you on today. How are you? Hey, Grant. I'm doing so awesome. Thank you so much for asking. Hope everyone here is doing awesome, too. Uh, hopefully the Kings get the win tonight. I thought uh, Walker Kessler did a heck of a job on Sabonis last night. What do you think, Grant? Yeah, yeah, he did. And again, the play, I thought one of the biggest plays of the game was that sequence that I was referring to when he blocked the layup attempt of Sabonis and the Jazz, you know, got free throws at the other end of the floor on the ensuing possession. And that really was a huge momentum switch in the game because uh, Olenek had just hit a three following up the three by Fox and teams were going back and forth then. And his block on Sabonis was a real big, real big part of the game. Yeah. I think the Kings, uh, if they're going to win tonight, they have to have a really good first quarter. Just, you know, yesterday they, they yep. lost that game in the first. So, I mean, I think the Celtics are going to win tonight, but you know, if the Kings can come out strong in the first and show some presence, um, I think Davion yep. Mitchell have to have a good game too. I think, you know, Fox is playing, you know, 35 plus 40 minutes every game. Yep. I mean, it's uh, it takes Not only a that, but I, I, yeah, I, I think you probably have heard me fifth game in seven nights for the Kings in four different time zones. I think the schedule is unfair. And yeah. again, I don't normally criticize the schedule, but this game tonight, I think the Kings are at a big disadvantage. And I will tell you, and I've already said this in case you joined us a little late. I said, if the Kings win this game tonight without even knowing what's going to happen. Okay. So here I am at five 30. If I'm on the post game show with Ryan, and the Kings win this game tonight, I will consider it their most impressive win of the year without even knowing how the game's going to go, just based on their schedule, fifth sure. game in seven nights, taking on a team that's well-rested, who, let's face it, has better talent than the Kings. This will be their most impressive win of the year if they're able to pull this one off tonight. Yeah, I would agree, Grant. What do you think about um, – it, it just seems like, a, you know, uh, Sabonis has been, uh, you know – uh, a lot of time, you know, he, he's, he's getting hit down low. Obviously, he's the big man. He's getting hit in the head a lot. But what do you think about him complaining a lot with uh, with the referees, it seems like, during the game? Just, yeah, I think he's getting frustrated. I think he feels that he's been uh, getting sh the short end of the stick on sure. calls. And I think he's just fed up with it. You know, I think he's fed up with the lack of whistles. So I think it's just a human, human nature. It's a natural response. Uh, so we'll see. You know, again, I I – would hope that it doesn't affect how he plays. Uh, you know, he is so important, as you well know, to the success of this team. I mean, you have to have him playing at a very high level in order for this team to beat good teams such as Boston tonight. So we'll see. You know, I just think it's frustration. He probably will curtail it. He probably understands it's not going to help him. Uh, but, but, you know, just go out and play. Keep playing tonight. Uh, the officials, uh, Mark Davis, uh, J.B. DeRosa, and uh, Brett Nansel. So that's your officiating crew for the game tonight. Yeah, for sure. Well, hope uh, hope he keeps he keeps banging down low. I mean, the, this this man is getting a, almost a triple double every game. He's one is well, I think one assist or one rebound again last night away from a triple double. That guy's a machine. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. And it is. Lastly, Grant, uh, I I just kind of I, I wanted to ask you, uh, based on the Wizards game, you know, when Kyle Kuzma, you know, turned his ankle um, with the fans sitting there, do you think fans sit too close to the to the to the 
a perimeter of the game because so, sometimes it seems like you know Fox you know they'll they'll go up for for to block a shot and they have to hold themselves yep. back because the fans are you know so close yep. and then camera guys are so close. What do you think about? What, what, do you have any thoughts on? Do you think that fans just kind of sit the way that's the court is set up? Do you think fans sit too close to the game? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything you're going to do about it. Those are premium tickets. That's where the teams make the most of their money. Yeah, and there are there are. Um, I'm trying to think what the we used to go to NBA meetings and they used to tell us about this, but there are areas of the cameraman that they are, they, there's a tape, there's tape there and they have to stay within that area. And the NBA has tried to make the landing zones around the baskets more advantageous where they're less likely to be injured for whatever, because of what you're just saying. Yeah. So the league is aware of it, but there's only so much they can do. Yeah, of course, because sometimes you see like, you know, players bumping into the fans and then drinks spill and then, the you know, there's there's yep. alcohol, there's water on the floor and then you can yep. create, you create, you know, a dangerous environment for these guys that, that run fast, you know, and they're so no athletic. question. No question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Grant, for taking my call. Hope the Kings get the win tonight. See you, Dorian. Thank you. I always enjoy hearing from you. Same to you, Grant. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Let's get to uh, some more phone calls. We say hello to Waggus. Hello, Waggus. How are you today? Good, Grant. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. What's up? All right. So I wanted to ask you this. I've been thinking about this. Um, because you watched probably both players, who do you think is better, Sabonis or his dad? Uh, well, in all fairness, I didn't watch his dad play a lot, and it was at the tail end of his career. So DeMontis, to me, is better. But again, I'm telling you, his dad didn't come over to the NBA until later in his career. And... Uh, to me, Domantas is a better player than his dad. Now, his dad might be a better passer. His dad, Arvidas, is considered the best passing big man to ever live. But his dad offensively was not as good as Domantas, in my opinion. Okay. And and I guess I, I guess the next question I'm going to ask is probably, uh, you know, it's going to – I mean, obviously we're going to see, you know, what where De, uh, Sabonis can take this team in the next – few years, but where would you rank him right now as a big man in, in King's history? In terms of, it, it, it's a little bit early, uh, in terms of everything, not just the skill, but the intangibles, I put him at number one. And the reason why I put him at number one is Chris Weber was more talented than DeMontis, but Chris was a lot of work all the time. Right. with a lot of baggage, okay, yep. and a lot of drama. There is no baggage. There is no drama with DeMontis, okay? There's none. Yep. And that is important in my book. When you have a player that is as good as DeMontis, who doesn't have an ego, it's not me, me, me. You know, he's not running into the locker room to see how many points and rebounds he scored. I love that type of a player. Talent-wise, Chris was more talented than DeMontis, not by a lot, but he was. Uh, but DeMontis doesn't give you all the extracurricular nonsense and baggage and headaches. Chris at times was a big time headache. Okay. There is no headache with DeMontis. All right. So, and, and, and I would say the same thing about DeMarcus. DeMarcus is more talented skill-wise than DeMontis, but I don't even have to go in to, I can just stop right there. I don't have to tell you why. I wouldn't put him ahead of uh, DeMontis. But so in my opinion, uh, Sabonis is number one. And, you know, I was talking about this with Jerry the other day, and he had him number one also. Okay. And, you know, I would even, and again, if Cousins had zero baggage, I think he would have been the best Kings big man, uh, just on talent ever, right? Because I think he was even better than a he, Yes. Absolutely. Yes, totally agree. Yeah. And, you know, what a shame, right? So, um but, yeah, okay, no, that's interesting, number one. So, okay, well, I guess we'll see how far he takes him. It's just it's just going to be really hard, I guess, for some people to look at it, like how you're looking at it, because Chris Webber did take the Kings deep in the playoffs, right? Now, obviously, he had a great team around him, but, you know, Chris did. Okay, but, I, okay, but, but, okay, but I, all right, now I'm going to go this way. All right. The Kings, the year after Chris Webber went down in the Dallas series and had microfracture surgery, he did not join the team that year until March 2nd. When he came back on the Kings, the Kings had the best record in the NBA. Name me another team 
in the NBA that could lose arguably their all-star, their best player, not have him play all the way until March and still have the best record in the NBA. Okay. No, no, I, I get it. And, and, and I don't think Chris should have started when, when he came back. He shouldn't have. Yeah. He shouldn't have. But yeah. I, here's the point I'll make. If you took Sabonis off this team right now and you brought him back on March 2nd of this year, the Kings would have been so far out of the playoff picture, it wouldn't have mattered. Okay. Yep. You understand the point I'm trying to Absolutely. make? Um, Absolutely. Now, I mean, so there were Chris to me was uh, unbelievably talented, incredibly talented. But trust me when I tell you this, Chris was a lot of work and he had a different set of rules. He abused those rules. And I really mean that. I mean, he, he had free latitude to do what he wanted. Rick Adelman was a player's coach. And Rick was about, you need to win the game if you don't want to come to practice or you don't want to do this. You know, Rick was extremely lax with his players. And to his credit, the players responded and they did not abuse that. And everyone in that locker room knew that Chris had a different set of rules and they accepted that because they felt that they could win a championship with that team. So they kind of looked the other way. That's the truth. Okay. So... Because you were behind the scenes, that is my last thing, and then I look forward to post game tonight. But because you were behind the scenes, when you say that Chris, you know, sometimes had his own rules, are we talking like Dennis Rodman own rules? Remember that last dance scene when Michael Jordan said that you know Dennis wanted to go to a vacation in the middle of the season? Is that something Chris would do, or is that something like not show up to practice? Well, I, listen, I would only tell you this: when Chris, when Chris was on the team playing, the year that he was hurt for a game in, I want to say February. That was on national TV. It was the game of the week. Uh, it was NBC, big deal, Kings-Lakers, the rivalry, everything else. Uh, Chris comes on the team plane, and people are like, oh, wow, it's great. Chris might be close to coming back. He's going to come on the plane. He's going to support the team. Man, this is awesome. This is so great to have Chris on the team. The next day, Chris doesn't show up for the game, and he is seen in Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive at brunch with Tyra Banks. Yep. I mean, yep. that's vintage Chris Weber right there. That's vintage Chris. I mean, that that's just, you know, I mean, the, the, the goal to go on the team plane, okay, and then not go to the game and have lunch with Tyra Banks on Rodeo Drive in the middle of the game is, again, and nobody said a word about it. Nobody said a word to him about it. Nobody. You know, there were there were – there were many reports that he would come to the game at Arco, sit behind the bench, you know, be there for his team. And then all of a sudden you're like, where's Chris? You know, the second half comes and Chris isn't there. Why? Oh, he took off. And then there would be reports. Oh, hey, uh, Grant, they, I'd get a call the next day on my radio show. Grant, I couldn't believe this. You know, I was uh, uh, at the shopping center across from the arena and I was listening to the game on radio and I had to stop to get some money. And so I go to the ATM and I'm sitting there and it's Chris Weber at the ATM machine in the middle of the game. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it, but nobody ever said a thing to him. You know, he could just, it, it, he just did what he wanted to do. Nobody said a word to him. Rick Adelman was, uh, was not going to, you know, ruffle feathers and he didn't. I thought it was maybe one of Rick's mistakes. You know, I think when Chris came back on that March 2nd, Chris should have never started. And really Chris should have been the bigger man. I don't know if you saw this, but John Morant today, uh, had a press conference and he said, Hey, I've offered to come off the bench so I don't mess up yeah. the rhythm and they can work me back into the lineup. When Tim Duncan was hurt and he came back, guess what Tim Duncan did? He came off the bench, but Rick Adelman knew that if they put Chris on the bench, that would be an unmanageable situation. It would be so disruptive to the team that Rick really didn't have a choice that Chris would have cursed him out in front of the entire team. Okay. Which I was witness to once when Rick wanted to uh, not play Chris after he came back in March. Chris, we were in Miami, and Lamar Odom had abused Chris, absolutely yep. abused him. I remember and that next, game. Okay, you're, you're amazing, your memory. Yeah. Yep. The next yep. night, we're in Orlando, and Rick walks up to Chris and goes, listen, um, you know, we're, we're not going to play you. We, you know, it was the first back-to-back -back since coming back from the injury. And Chris went off on him and cursed him out in front of the whole team. I mean, think about that, cursing out Rick Adelman in front of the whole team. And it was like, a Rick was afraid of Chris. He was. And so he just let him, he's like, okay, you know, I'll play you. And guess what? Chris played horrible in that game too. So, you know, again, 
in all fairness to Chris, he was coming off a brutal yep. knee surgery microfracture. So I don't really have a problem with Chris not being that good anymore because it wasn't he he was he was limited based on his knee surgery. So I'm I'm not I don't I'm not getting on Chris for not playing well. He wasn't capable of playing the way he was accustomed to playing. But with that said, Rick Adaman should have coached him accordingly and should have made it very clear, hey, Chris, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, then you probably shouldn't come back. That's the way the conversation should have been. And there should have been some backbone from the front office and Jeff Petrie, who should have been in on that decision as well. It should have been, hey, Chris, you know, we understand that you really tried hard to get back. You are a big part of our team, but we have the best record in the league right now. And we're going to coach the team this way. And you can be a huge part of this but we need you to buy in. That would never happen with Chris. It would it would have been no way. F you, not going to happen. I'm starting or I'm not playing. That's the way that conversation would have been. This is great, by the way, Grant. I mean, this is gold for me as a Kings fan, getting a backdoor. But you know, I'm taking this. Like, I'll be honest with you that if Chris actually bought into the team, took care of himself, maybe the Kings would have had a ring. If he was more disciplined. Well, again, that year. In March, when Chris came back, the Kings had the best record in the NBA. I believe they're, they they finished the rest of the way either one game over 500 or one game under 500 for the remaining games. Then in the second round, they lost that game seven yep. at Minnesota. And I told I told you the story. We yep. were g- going through the uh, airport hangar where our plane was parked, and we were waiting online to show our IDs. And I was at the back of the line with Vladi. And Peja was off getting a coffee and popcorn at the general aviation there. And Lottie said, we're done. That's it. I'm like, what do you mean we're done? He goes, that's it. Our window just closed. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're done. We had our chance. We're, we're done. And I'm thinking to myself, looking back at that conversation, man, was he right? That was the start of the end for the Sacramento Kings. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's just really sad because I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, it is a team sport. And, you know, some people just buy into it. Some people don't. And apparently, and, and I get it. For some people, it's about the individual rewards more than a team. And, yeah, it just, yeah, it, it's just disheartening because, you know, I, I felt like I'm just hearing all this. I feel like if Chris would have been more bought in, we might have had a ring. And then he would have actually been a big, big, big part of that, right? I mean, have you, nobody would have said. Of course he would have. Yeah, of course exactly. he would have. Yeah, so it's. Of course he would have. He would have been a huge part of that. I mean, he's listen, he's a huge part of the Kings resurgence that began yeah. in the, you know, 98, 99 season. Through. I mean, Chris was a huge part of that. I'm not trying to say that Chris wasn't a huge part of that. He was, but he could have been more. He could have helped the Kings win a championship. I and I Chris got mad at me for this. I said, you know, Chris, I was doing an interview on ESPN radio and I uh, the commentator used superstar and Chris Weber in the same sentence. And I said, hey, I don't mean to. In a, be rude here, but Chris is not a superstar. Chris is an all-star. He's not a superstar. Yeah. And he wasn't. He was never a superstar. He was an all-star. He was never at that level of the players in that era that were winning championships. He wasn't. He yeah. just, he absolutely wasn't. He was an all-star, but he wasn't a superstar. There wasn't one time, not once, in Chris Weber's Sacramento Kings career, not one time did the Kings play a playoff series where you walked out of that playoff series and going, wow, Chris was just great. 
He never had a great playoff series against any team. And you can go back and look at it. You can go back and watch all the games. Chris never played in the postseason the way he did in the regular season. As a matter of fact, I would say the difference between his postseason and regular season was significant. It wasn't just a little bit. And I used to go on the radio and I used to talk about it all the time. And Chris used to get pissed at me. And then we would be fine. Then the next year would come and the Kings would get eliminated and Chris would play poorly. And I was like, you know, what a shame. You know, you got Chris who's, you know, first, second or third all NBA team in the regular season. And then the postseason comes and the guy's just another player. I go, when are we going to have this, the, the all-star Chris Weber in the playoffs that we get in the regular season? And it would drive him crazy and he would go ballistic. And I'm like, hey, Chris, it's not personal. I'm just telling you how I feel about your game. You don't play the same in the postseason. Oh, F you, you don't know what you're talking about. But I said, well, you know, I may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm just giving my opinion on the radio. You don't have to agree, you know, but most people, most people agreed with me. I, I mean, I just don't understand that. Um, I, and, and there's only one game where I saw Chris play great. It was game three against the Lakers in 2002. I felt like that was a game uh -huh. he really played great. But on that, you, you are, he did. it's just, it just, I just don't understand why, you know, players get mad at the radio person or the TV announcer. That that's your job. And I remember some do. Most 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 don't. Most do not. Yeah. Most do not. Most are. They don't even care. Yeah. There are some that do that are just thin skinned and overly sensitive to criticism. He was one. All right. Yeah. Demarcus was another. Demarcus can't handle any criticism from anyone, whether it's somebody knows or he doesn't know. It drives him crazy. Um, I mean, think about this. Think about the game we're playing against San Antonio yeah, at Arco. And he goes yeah. into the locker room, and the first thing he does is pick up his phone and either sees something on social media or someone texted him that Sean Elliott was being critical of him. And he walks out to the court in his uniform right after the game and is standing next to Sean Elliott as he's wrapping up his telecast. And then as soon as Sean takes his headset off, DeMarcus confronts him, goes ballistic, and... I, I, and I know Sean very well, and I've talked to Sean about this. Sean told me he could not believe it and that he was, like, fearful that DeMarcus was going to punch him, that he could not believe that he was being confronted. Sean Elliott's going, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, he goes, do you know how many years I've played in the NBA and how many people have been critical of me? Can you imagine if I did that to somebody? He goes, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Like, this was Sean Elliott. He's, he's asking me, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And I, I used to say to him, I go, it's pretty obvious. You, you know, <laughs> Sean could not believe it, that the rage and, you know, DeMarcus was suspended for that. Yeah. And and I and I have two real quick ones. This is great, by the way. Uh, I, I In 2013, we we're playing against the Clippers at home. And I remember after the game, because it was caught on TV, he went over to you and, you know, he had some language. And he's basically told you, I bet yeah. you would talk about that on your show. That time when he yeah. did that, because I saw it, everybody saw it, right? Um when yeah, he did that, I, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he's not, he's, he's just, he's just not the guy. But then in 20, I believe, was it 14 or 15 when George Cole became his coach, he actually did a, he actually came on your show and, yes, um, and you guys yes. had a very positive conversation and I'm yes. like, well, maybe DeMarcus is gr growing a little bit, right? He won 33. We had a lot of, we, we, we had a lot of positive conversations. I mean, that's another thing that is a misconception. We used to have a lot of good conversations. The problem is, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm using this term as a figure of speech, not as a medical diagnosis. He's bipolar, okay? He has a bipolar personality. And when he's happy, he's great to be around. But when he's not, he's a bully. He bullied the Sacramento media. Everyone knows that. You can ask anyone that covered the Kings during that era, okay? Uh, we used to have conversations about this before practice, after practice, before games, I, I would have, you know, news anchors, Brian May, you know, and others would come up to me and go, I can't believe what, what, what DeMarcus did to our reporter yesterday or the, and the, you know, the Sacramento Bee reporter, he had a huge feud with, I mean, it was, it was, it, it was, it was ridiculous. And yeah, I, and yeah. the, the, here's one other thing about what you just said. Yeah. When DeMarcus played for George Carl, George had no chance of succeeding. But when you look back at DeMarcus's career, Yep. He had his best numbers and flourished as a basketball player under George Carl more than any other coach. He had yep. more triple doubles playing for George Carl 
because George was able to evolve his game further away from the basket and make him, in addition to everything else, a three-point threat. And DeMarcus played his best basketball Ever. of his career with George Carl as his coach. But what DeMarcus used to do to George was so appalling and so awful that at times we could not believe what we were watching, both publicly and privately. The public part was on TV. The blow-ups of him cursing at George during the timeouts was on TV for everybody to hear. Everybody could see it. Then there was a subsequent suspension. He just, he couldn't handle that part of it. Had DeMarcus been able to handle that part of his personality, I believe that he would have gone down as one of the, not only the greatest players in Sacramento Kings history, he would have gone down as one of the greatest players of his generation, but he wouldn't allow himself to be that way. He would have gone down as one of the all-time greats. He would be, by the way, on the 50 greatest players of all time. He would have been on that, but he would not, he didn't, his personality would not allow him to do that. So when we go back to who's number one, I take Sabonis because I look at the whole picture because I've seen what guys that aren't all bought in, guys that are destructive, guys that are a pain in the ass to deal with. I've seen the toll that it takes on a team over the course of a long season. When you have a player like DeMontis Sabonis, who is as talented as he is, he's a stat filler. I mean, every night you know what he's going to get. He plays the same every night. And, oh, yeah, he's great in the locker room. He's not a me guy. He's a team guy. I'll take that type of a player over the other names that I just mentioned any freaking day of the week, and I will have a better chance of winning a championship with that player than the other players. Guaranteed. And and that that's obviously sad if he really, you know, if, if he, you know, bipolar, because, you know, us as fans, you know, I mean, we, we look at these players, great shape, you know, access to everything, and we, we could never think like that, right? Because, oh, maybe he's bipolar, right? So... Well, when I say he's bipolar, I'm not speaking to you from a doctor. I, I want to I make know, that I really know. clear. Me too, I'm, me too. I'm, 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 I'm using that as an example of yep. what his personality was like. He would go from being happy-go-lucky, and then 15 minutes later, he'd be cursing somebody out for something that they didn't like. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, yeah, and, it was and, unbelievable. And Grant, if he had access to you, if he didn't like what he would say, he could always, in closed doors, talk to you, right? And then you guys can clear yep. it out. You don't like, like, I remember that one scene in the locker room against a sack B reporter. If he would have just pulled him to the side and would have just, you know, calmed his voice down, maybe the guy would have just been, okay, fine. I won't, I won't, you know, like have a dialogue with somebody, but he attacked him. And I was like, Oh my God, he was a bully. He Listen, he was a bully. He's a bully. I mean, I'm telling you, even Zach Randolph said yeah. that in a game at new Orleans, when Zach was playing for, uh, uh, when DeMarcus was playing for New Orleans and they were at the free throw line and they got into it and you could hear Zach on TV going, hey, where I come from, bullies get bullied. Okay? Yeah. He said that in the middle of free throws and it came all over TV. Hey, where I come from, bullies get bullied. You know, everyone knew it. I mean, you know, it just, again, you know, he's got a lot of good qualities to him. He's not like a bad person all the time, but yeah. his his bad qualities, unfortunately, hold him back as a professional athlete and as a person. And that's why it's not in the league. And that's why no one signed him this year. Every coach in the league is done with him. All right. Michael Malone was done with him. Steve Kerr's done with him. I mean, uh, I'll tell you right now. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> they didn't want him back in New Orleans. Okay. Alvin Gentry. Okay. Didn't want anything to do with DeMarcus after he left. All right. Alvin Gentry did not want DeMarcus on the New Orleans Pelicans. He was a nightmare for Alvin Gentry. Okay. You know, there's a reason why DeMarcus is not in the league this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, – and that's pretty sad. This has been great, Grant. This is probably one of the best conversations I've had with you. Put all this in your book. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> you take care. All right. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, most of the stuff I'm telling you is is already been told by others than me. It's not just me. I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm telling you is common knowledge. It really is. All right, let's get to uh, Ryan in Sacktown. He's going to be doing his show in 30 minutes. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm going to make it really quick. Uh, by the way, Waggish should be your fact checker for your book. Yes. Yes, he should. 100%. He's unbelievable. 
Yeah. Um, so I just had two things. One, just side note about Weber. He had his chance in game seven against Minnesota that year. He missed the three at the buzzer. So Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. He had his chance there. Um, but when you guys were talking about the old teams in 02, um, it brought up a question that I've always wanted to ask you. And now that I have you here, I'm going to ask it. Was it bizarre to you and the rest of the team when Kobe came out the way he did in game two of the Western Conference Finals, not taking a shot in the first half? Yes, very bizarre. Yep, very bizarre. Yep, it was talked about uh, by everyone, players, media, everyone. Yes, it was a big, big t- topic of conversation. Did it seem more like an internal thing with him and the team, or was it anything the Kings were possibly doing in your guys? No, it, it seemed totally internal. Okay. That's what it kind of fit, or I figured, but I always yep. wondered that. So, all right, bud. Yeah, the, player, the players after the game were asking what the hell was going on. Yeah, it was weird. Yes. It wasn't the cheeseburger. We know that. No, that's <laughs> correct. That's right. All right. Thanks, I'll buddy. Have there. a good show. All right, talk to you at halftime. All right. Good show today. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much. Ryan's coming on in 30 minutes, then halftime and post game as well. We'll be on YouTube. Great show today. Be back tomorrow for our open form Wednesday. Tomorrow's show will be at four o'clock. So long, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.